Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KFI AM640 Los Angeles, Orange County. And KOST HD2. It's 5 a.m. What did you miss? It's time for Wake Up Call with Jennifer Jones-Lee. Good morning. Welcome to a Monday. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you were able to stay cool. Good gracious. That was hot. Better news, though, this week. Everybody's going to cool down. Pretty significantly, too. I'll get your forecast in just a little bit. Here's what's just ahead on your wake-up call. The Trump administration has blamed Iran for the bombing of strategic oil facilities in Saudi Arabia. Iran denies the involvement, but at 5.05, we'll talk with ABC's Karen Travers. Locked and loaded. That's the message from the president to Iran after what looks like a coordinated drone strike. So we'll talk with Karen all about this straight ahead. The shooting outside the Rose Bowl that killed an 18-year-old apparently started with a fight between two men from L.A. And Rico Kasich of the cars has died. 605, it's Handle on the News. Let's start with some of those stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. The Trump administration has blamed Iran for the bombing of strategic oil facilities in Saudi Arabia. Iran denies involvement. President Trump has tweeted the U.S. is locked and loaded pending confirmation of who carried out the attack. Former State Department official and Marine Corps Colonel Steve Ganyard says this marks an escalation by Iran and one of its surrogate groups based in Yemen. Just a few days ago, the administration was talking about lifting sanctions and having discussions at the U.N. with the Iranians. But now we're as close to an armed conflict in the Persian Gulf as we have been in decades. The loss of Saudi protection capacity is expected to cause a surge in gas prices. California could be especially hard hit because the state uses about half the country's Saudi oil imports. So we'll talk more with Karen in just a moment. A brush fire in Batista Canyon east of Hemet has grown to more than 160 acres with zero containment. Officials say the fire isn't a threat to buildings but could grow substantially. The flames were first spotted last night off Batista Road west of Lake Hemet. So you'll probably see that smoke and possibly even some flames this morning. Evacuation orders have been lifted for families affected by the wildfire east of Paris. About 200 people were ordered to leave their homes Saturday. That fire doubled in size that night, but a crew of more than 200 firefighters was able to reach 30% containment by last night. Nearly 500 acres have burned. Air quality could be especially low, especially bad in inland areas, including San Jacinto Valley, Paris Valley, and the San Gregorio Pass. Well, the shooting outside the Rose Bowl that killed an 18-year-old apparently started with a fight between two men from L.A. The other man involved in the fight Saturday night is 51 years old. He's been treated for a gunshot wound. The shooting happened in the Rose Bowl parking lot several hours after a game between UCLA and Oklahoma. More than 49,000 United Auto Workers have gone on strike over failed GM contract negotiations. The United Auto Workers contract with GM expired over the weekend. Worker James Cotton says the union made concessions when GM was going through bankruptcy, but now it's time to share the wealth. A few years back, we gave up a lot to keep this house open and all the houses around General Motors. And now that they're making more money than they ever have, 
we feel like we should get some of that stuff back. The last time the UAW staged a nationwide strike was 2007. GM says it's offered higher wages, as much as $8,000 as well, a bonus for each worker and new investments to create thousands more jobs. The current pay for a GM factory worker is $63 an hour in wage and benefits. Well, the Trump administration says it scrapped plans for new border wall projects in California and Arizona. Court papers show the administration had intended to use money saved from other border projects to build some 20 miles of new barrier. But according to the documents filed in federal court on Friday, the savings was not enough to go ahead with the planned fencing. Earlier this summer, President Trump declared a state of emergency along the border to access special funding, but it was quickly challenged. In July, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the administration could use money from the defense budget to construct more than 100 miles of fencing along the border. A couple weeks ago, the White House announced it would divert $3.6 billion from the Pentagon's budget to work on border construction. It's not clear if that diverted money will also be used to make up the shortfall for the fencing projects in California and Arizona. We shouldn't even be having a wall. California Democratic Congresswoman and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi criticized the president on Twitter by saying Trump said Mexico would pay for his wasteful, ineffective wall, but now it's military families who will pay the price. This is some kind of an equal wall for the president, and he just will make anybody pay the price for him to get his wall. Pelosi also blasted Trump for his idea of using an emergency declaration to access money. It dishonors the Constitution of the United States as the president negates the Constitution's most fundamental principle, the principle of checks and balances, the separation of powers, and his assault on the Congress's power of the purse. The border wall funding shortage in California and Arizona was revealed late Friday in papers filed related to a civil lawsuit against Trump and members of his cabinet by the Center for Biological Diversity. The organization says any barrier along the southern border would impact wildlife diversity and could naturally eliminate certain animals like the jaguar and other endangered species. In the original lawsuit filed in February, the center said of the 58 times presidents have previously declared emergencies under the National Emergencies Act, none involved using the emergency powers to fund a policy goal after a president failed to meet that goal through foreign diplomacy, such as having Mexico pay for the wall or the congressional appropriations process. Never before has a president used the emergency powers granted to him by Congress in such a manner. The president was given a small victory last week when the Supreme Court ruled the administration can prevent illegal immigrants from claiming asylum if those immigrants traveled through a third country to get to the U.S. For Wake Up Call, I'm Steve Gregory, KFI News. Karen Travers, good morning to you. Good Boy, morning. what a weekend. Yeah, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I guess let's start with Locked and Loaded being the response to what happened. Yeah, the president uh, tweeting it last night and threatening a military action in retaliation to this strike on oil processing facilities in Saudi Arabia. Senior administration official says it was highly coordinated. It was launched from Iranian soil and, a near, and that nearly a dozen cruise missiles and at least 20 drones packed with explosives were targeting multiple sites at these facilities. This is the one of including the world's largest oil processing plant. Uh, the president, though, last night in that tweet said he's waiting to hear from Saudi Arabia as to who they believe is the culprit, even though his administration has publicly said it was Iran. The president said the U.S. is locked and loaded, waiting to hear from Saudi under what terms we would proceed. Okay, now when it comes to the talks, I mean, shoot, I think just last week we Mm -hmm. were talking about the possibility of Iran and the U.S. sitting down and speaking. Apparently that's off the table now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I think, off, but it was never on the table. That's what the administration was even saying over 
over the weekend that you know nothing was set in stone. There were rumblings that there could be a meeting, but they had not scheduled anything. Well, now I think trying to schedule that would be a lot more complicated given these increasing tensions. But that was supposed to be next week. World leaders are gathering in New York for the UN General Assembly. The president will be there as well as the president of Iran. Um, over the weekend, the president insisting that he never said he would meet with uh, President Rouhani of Iran with no pre-existing preconditions uh, to that meeting when we've heard him say that this summer and we heard the Secretary of State and the Treasury Secretary last night say no preconditions he would sit down for a meeting like that. Now, Iran is denying this, you know, left, right Flatly and up, down, it. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And so what oh, Absolutely. who are they saying who they think did the attacks? Well, you know, in, we've seen in the past where there's a finger pointed at uh, rebels in Yemen. But based on what senior officials are telling us, the direction of where this was coming from, they say with confidence that it was launched from Iranian soil and that the sophistication of this and how highly mm, coordinated yeah. it was can only be coming from somewhere like Iran. And do they have the Saudis indicated how quickly that they'll respond to the U.S. and say who they think did it or are they holding Not it close yet. to the vest? Anything? We'll see. I think we'll see how that plays out over the next few days. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, too, an official said it could take about six months to rebuild these facilities. So this was significant Ugh. damage there. You can see the smoke and fire uh, from satellite images from space. And people have to be freaking out now about gas prices. Yeah, and the president trying to ease concerns about gas prices with a series of tweets last night saying there was plenty of oil and that he would tap into the strategic petroleum reserve in case of emergency. This is like a stockpile the U.S. puts aside in case of a major disruption to global supplies. It hasn't been tapped for about eight years, so it's something that's really only, you know, in case of emergency, break the glass. Uh, and he said he'd be ready to do that. But then this morning, the president was saying, we don't need Middle Eastern oil and gas. We have few tankers there. But that his concern about this is helping and sticking up for an ally. All right. Thank you so much, Karen. Man, you had a lot to unpack for us, and you did it in like five minutes. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. You too. See you later. ABC's Karen Travers. So breaking it down. We believe, the U.S. believes, the Trump administration believes that it was Iran who had this coordinated 20 drone strike on one of the world's largest processing facilities. Okay. Iran says, no way, it wasn't us. Uh-uh. We're waiting for the Saudis. So let the Saudis say who did it. It was done to them. So they'll say it. And then the locked and loaded tweet from the president, what, is, what exactly does that mean? How do you proceed from there? And, uh, you know, that that summit next week, whew, I just feel that could be fiery. Um, I don't know. I mean, how how diplomatic do you have to stay? How how when you and, and the person that you are fighting with say say at that time that we do know that it was, in fact, Iran for sure. The Saudis have said, absolutely. We've got the proof. Here's the smoking gun. It was the Saudis. What does the president do? How do you then meet it, not meet, but be at a, at the same summit with one of these foreign leaders who just bombed your ally and one of the world's largest oil processing facilities. How do you do that? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. So uh, this, I mean, what a critical meeting. And how do you how do you navigate those waters if you're the president? That's it's going to be a tough one. All right, but we'll watch it for sure, and we'll bring you all the details. And as soon as we find out if the Saudis confirm that it was Iran, of course, we'll let you know.
Let's get back to some of the other stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Uber has already set out a legal strategy to avoid treating its drivers in California as employees. A bill's on the governor's desk waiting to be signed into law that would make Uber have to pass a legal test when trying to prove its drivers should be classified as independent contractors. Uber would have to prove that drivers are not performing its business, which which is laughable. Of course drivers are. Attorney Shannon Liss Reardon has filed a class action lawsuit against Uber saying the company's skirting the rules, arguing that it's a tech company. Uber is a transportation company, and Uber drivers provide that transportation service. Uber says it would pass the classification test. I don't see how Uber thinks it's going to win under this law. It just it just won't. Liz Reardon says the class action would apply to all Uber drivers in California. Chris Carlo, KFI News. A pediatrician in SoCal claims racism could do more damage than previously thought. Dr. Elon Shapiro is a fellow at the American Academy of Pediatrics. The association has published a policy statement for the first time stating racism impacts kids' health. Shapiro says as kids dealing with bias grow up, they will end up having more depression, more anxiety, more ADHD, as well as on the long term, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You start having other diseases like heart attacks, higher rates of asthma, higher rates of all chronic diseases that we have. The Academy of Pediatrics has called on all of its members to talk to families about social justice issues as part of health checkups. Corbin Carson, KFI News. Rick Okasik of The Cars Who's Died. Okasik was found dead yesterday in an apartment in Manhattan. The NYPD says there was no sign of foul play. The Cars was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just last year. Okasik wrote more than a dozen top 40 hits for the band. He was 75. I mean, the music community is just wham, wham, wham. You had Eddie Money on Friday. You have Rick Okasik last night. And so we're going to talk more about this with ABC's Matt Wolf coming up at 5.53 this morning. Also, we'll talk with Matt's colleague, Aaron Katursky, about this next story coming up at 5.35. The New York Times has updated an article about alleged sexual misconduct by Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. The Times now says the supposed accuser declined to be interviewed and, according to her own friends, has no recollection of the alleged incident. What? So you accuse somebody of something you don't remember? I'm confused. The Times article Saturday included an alleged eyewitness testimony from a man who says he saw Kavanaugh expose himself to a woman during a drunken party in college. But Fox News has pointed out that witness is a lawyer with connections to the Clintons who opposed Kavanaugh in court during the Whitewater investigation. All right. Even if you don't believe that last line, it's just the part that the friend has no recollection of the alleged incident. That's the part I would focus on is how your accuser that would just be really hard for somebody to accuse somebody else of something they don't remember, wouldn't it? I don't know. This is why we need to talk with Aaron at 535. All right, when we come back we will talk with ABC's Oh, actually, no, we're going to talk with a man from Irvine named Mark Thorpe. And the reason I want to talk to Mark Thorpe this morning is because Mark is heavily involved with the USO. And so is his teenage son, who decided to do something for the USO at the Ontario airport for his Eagle Scout project. 
it's not only a great gift to our men and women in uniform who visit the Ontario airport and go through there, but it looks like the Thorpe family's dedication is catching on elsewhere. So we're going to have their awesome story coming up. Plus, we'll check traffic and your forecast on your wake-up call. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. It's a Monday morning. Thanks for being here. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee, and some of the stories we'll watch in the KFI 24-hour newsroom today. The Trump administration has blamed Iran for the bombings of strategic oil facilities in Saudi Arabia. Iran denies involvement. President Trump has tweeted the U.S. is locked and loaded pending confirmation of who carried out the attack. The loss of Saudi production capacity is expected to cause a surge in gas prices. California could be especially hard hit because the state uses about half the country's Saudi oil imports. And the imports and the shooting outside the Rose Bowl that killed an 18-year-old apparently started with a fight between two men from L.A. The other man involved in the fight Saturday is 51 years old. He's been treated for a gunshot wound. The shooting happened in the Rose Bowl parking lot several hours after the game between UCLA and Oklahoma. We're just minutes away from Handle on the News this morning. Right now, though, I want to say hello to a man who he and his son have an incredible story to tell, and it's all about helping our men and women in uniform who go through the USO facility at the Ontario airport. So, Mark Thorpe from Irvine, good morning to you. Thanks for joining me on Wake Up Call. Hi, good morning, Jennifer. How are you? Just fine. And I've heard from my husband that the USO facilities are amazing. He's an Army guy. And I know that when he was over in Iraq, all he told me was how amazing the one charity, because I would say, you know, which charity people ask me all the time, what to contribute to, who to contribute to. He said USO. It's got the most, I think you guys, he said something like helped the most or had the most meaningful help or something like that when he was over there. So we've always had a soft spot for the USO in our hearts. So thank you for all that you and your organization does. And now specifically you and your son, 14-year-old son, Christian, are doing at the airport in Ontario. What are you doing to this USO facility and what made you guys start this project? Well, I'll answer the second part of that question first. Um, we, you know, we've had, we have the, the second busiest USO in Southern California. Obviously, LAX is the biggest. The difference between their facility, which has, you know, roughly 90-some thousand passengers that come through, or 90-some thousand uh, military men and women when they're passengers passing through and ours is that we get instead of we get a lot of people flying commercial but we, we get a lot of troop movements as well lax tends to be used more by just you know soldiers passing through on on orders active duty or whatever might have you we end up getting some of that but also get a lot of of you know planes just full of military um personnel on on movement so what that means is that over the course of a day, we can get several hundred that come at once. And we've had up to, you know, the thousand a day in our facility. And, um, you know, our, our facility is not um, really equipped right now to handle the large, large troop movements like we have. Um, just in terms, you know, you think about you're trying to feed folks, you're trying to have them have a place where they can relax. Um, and, um, you know, they're not flying business class when they're flying on military transport. Oh, no. <laughs> not, at all, not even close. <laughs> not at all. So, so yeah, so, so it's really important you give them a great a great experience um, when they're there at the airport. It's the best way we can express our appreciation and, and love and support them. So, Christian, he's heard me talk about it a lot over the last few years um, and how, you know, we, we, we actually do a lot to try to support the U.S., so along with some of our partners at the airport and others in the community, but, you know, he's heard me talk about how, you know, dissatisfied I felt about the, 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 the facility. So he decided he wanted to do a project out there. So he went out to the airport and we visited the USO and, and 
they told us some of the things they wanted him to do. The best thing they, they thought he could do to help and to help them with was to create an outdoor space for the men and women. They get off an airplane a lot of times, and they're large, you know, large military airplanes, and so they want a place to sit on, sit outside, sit on a bench or, or a picnic table. When they're eating, they like to sit outside and get fresh air. So that's what we decided to focus on, and we were going to start with just a picnic table or maybe two. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, those are $1,000 or so. So we thought, well, let's raise some money and see if the community wants to help, too. Um, because I think one of the things about an Eagle Scout project, it's not about you doing the project. It's about showing leadership to get others to right. to support and give and contribute. So we had a fundraiser, and it turned out we raised a lot more money than we would have expected. Um, you know, thank, thanks really to the to the graciousness and, and love of the community for, um, uh, you know, the Ontario community and a lot of our partners for um, the men and w- women of the armed services. I love that you guys did it so grassroots. You had a barbecue inside one of the old hangars, and everybody that came, these were just donations of 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. I mean, you guys really found a way to get that community involvement. Yeah, you know, and, and the interesting thing is, I think, um, particularly for this charity, there's so many people that really, really do love um, uh, to support and help out our, our, our arms, men and women in the armed services. And a lot of times it's just uh, you need to give them op- give them an opportunity to do so. So um, you know it's 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 sometimes it's just someone having the idea and and uh, you know the, the the support really marshals itself for a good cause. And I think it's it's incredibly uplifting and inspiring too when you hear it's a 14 year old who's tackling a project for an Eagle Scout. I mean, just the fact that that shows such dedication and commitment on Christian's part too, that people not only want to help the soldiers, the troops, but they also want to help this young kid who just wants to do some good in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah, sometimes our, our, uh, our young people point us in the best direction in society. Oh, so true. So true. And I always feel bad that it seems like all the stories that make the news or a majority of them about young kids are bad. And so I always love when a, one that comes across my desk is a great story. That's why we said, oh, my gosh, we got to highlight this kid's story and this kid's life. So thank you for doing that for us. And then also, I understand that now it looks like maybe other facilities are catching on or there are other USO facilities that thought, hey, you know what? This outdoor space is a great idea. Well, that would be a wonderful thing. I mean, I, I, would, I would love nothing more than to have this, you know, project kind of be contagious because I think it's it's something, you know, just like in our community. I don't once people realize that there that was the situation of our USO facilities, um, they were more than happy to help and support. And I would say that that's true in probably almost every community in America. So, you know, a lot of times it's just people knowing the USO facilities are not, you know, some they're not. Um, there's not a big neon light in front of them. You know, sometimes they're just a room tucked away in, and, and you know, like. We wanted to actually support multiple airports in the region, but a lot of them, uh, you know, like John Wayne, for example, I think it's just really a room. The Ontario Airport actually runs that one as well. So some and some airports is just sort of a, a room that's hidden away and tucked away. But one way that anybody can, uh, you know, can, can support the USO is is reaching out to, the you know, their website, obviously. But in a lot of airports, I don't know that we do it at ours yet, but a lot do. When you buy things, you know, I know Phoenix and some others do it. You actually have the opportunity to buy stuff that goes to the men and women in the USO, and they've put stuff in baskets that specifically are requested by troops. Um, so you know it, it's real simple things you can do. If you're you know if you're a, if you own a restaurant or franchise, you know they're always looking for food um, for for the men and women that come through because it's a it's a you know it's a nonprofit and they exist solely by donations. So even that you know you think about day to day, 
you know, some days they need a thousand hot dogs, hamburgers, or, you know, pizza for a thousand people. So there's a lot of ways, you know, you can help just, um, um, in very, very simple, small ways. Well, Mark, thank you so much for what you have done. Thank you for raising a great kid like Christian who would come up with something like this. And thank you both for the, your work uh, with the USO. I, I just, you know, as an Army wife from the bottom of my heart, I can say that we appreciate it. Well, you know, I mean, I think I should probably, well, two things. First of all, I'd love to take credit for my son, but I think, you know, 99% of the credit goes to my wife. Um, <laughs> his mother had more to it than I did. Oh, you're least, a smart the husband, really, the too. <laughs> the, really, the, really, the really good parts. But I really should probably thank, you know, more the, the, the people in the community, you know, the Ontario Police Department, Fire Department, you know, their unions, um, associations came in and supported us in a big way. A lot of companies did. A lot of folks in the city of Ontario and obviously a lot of my colleagues at the airport, uh, you know, Southwest Airlines and some of other partners at the airport. So, you know, it is one of those things that, that, that it's it's many hands that get involved to do great things like this. Um, you know, he, he, it might be his project nominally, but it was it's had the involvement of many, many people. And, and, and a lot of them, you know, honestly, to be fair, are are veterans who, who still have that, you know, for whom it's a labor of love. So love to take credit but i really can't oh <laughs> i'm just glad it's i'm just glad it's being done i oh i bet absolutely well mark thank you so much i'd give you a hug if you were here we really appreciate it all right take care have a great right, day thanks you too Bye. see you later mark thorpe uh, just a, a man heavily involved with the uso whose son christian decided for his eagle scout project that he would do an outdoor patio at the ontario airport for our uso how cool is that See, we need more stories like that in the news, don't we? All right, when we come back, we'll talk with ABC's Aaron Katursky. All right, let me flip the tables now. We'll go from super sweet and inspiring to super scandalous. We've got to talk about the new sexual misconduct allegations reported against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And there's been a change, a change in an, an article that was supposed to come out about this scandal just overnight. So we'll tell you about that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Look, I don't mean to frustrate, but I always make the same mistakes, yeah, always make the same mistakes, cause I'm bad in love, ooh, ooh, but you can't blame me for trying, you know I'd be lying, saying, you the one. 
finally fixed me Looking at my history I'm bad in love It's KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app Thanks for joining me on this Monday morning I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. Hope you had a great weekend. Some of the stories we're watching in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. The Trump administration has blamed Iran for the bombing of strategic oil facilities in Saudi Arabia. Iran denies involvement. President Trump has tweeted the U.S. is locked and loaded pending confirmation of who carried out the attack. And the shooting from outside the Rose Bowl that killed an 18-year-old apparently started with a fight between two men from L.A. The other man involved in the fight Saturday is a 51-year-old man. He's been treated for a gunshot wound. The shooting happened in the parking lot several hours after the game between UCLA and Oklahoma. News is brought to you by Semper Solaris. 550, we'll talk with ABC's Matt Wolf. Last Friday, the music world mourned the death of rocker Eddie Money. And now it's Rick Ocasek, the lead singer of The Cars Found Dead over the weekend in his home in New York. Matt will have the latest on the death coming up. 605, it's Handle on the News. Right now, it's scandal time. ABC's Aaron Katursky, good morning. I feel like we need to have some sort of theme song. Seriously, we talk about, like, all these lecherous men. I know. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, you and I seem to keep uh, having conversations like these. uh, So this one's about uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, because over the weekend, the New York Times published an account that was based on the book of two of its reporters uh, outlining some of the allegations against Kavanaugh. And there are a couple of new nuggets in there that we didn't really know before. One is that Kavanaugh's classmate at Yale, a guy by the name of Max Steyer, who's uh, an old Washington hand at this point, alleges that he was at a, at, a, at a party at Yale where Kavanaugh exposed himself to women and fellow classmates actually put his genitals onto a female student. I mean, this is, I know it's five in the morning, but anyway, um, this is an allegation that seems remarkably similar to allegations that have been made by other women. The woman in question apparently doesn't necessarily remember the incident, and, and has declined to talk about it at the time. So we're not quite sure. But Democrats say this is something that the FBI either should have known or, if it did, should have brought forward at the time of Kavanaugh's confirmation. Yeah, and they're calling for Kavanaugh's impeachment. They're saying that the FBI did shoddy investigative work when, you know, the first time around. But now you've got Fox News going, hey, all right, this guy also, Steyer, is a lawyer with connections to the Clintons who opposed Kavanaugh in court during the Whitewater investigation. So you've got both sides pointing political fingers. Well, sure. Uh, and then that was sort of inevitable because everybody in Washington and apparently everybody who went to Yale has taken a side. But um, the, uh, the, be that as it may, impeachment, I guess, is technically a possibility, though seems highly unlikely at this point. Even if the House were to act, there's no way the Senate would. President Trump has tweeted that Kavanaugh ought to be suing the New York Times for libel. Now, when it comes to the, uh, the uh, how do I even put this, the alleged victim in this, for her to say that she doesn't even remember it, is she is she saying, hey, uh, okay, so to Steyer, is she saying to him, like, hey, keep me out of this? I don't even know what you're talking about. No, it, it seems more that, like, at the time, she didn't really talk about it and has since um, friends of hers told the authors of this book, the two New York Times reporters, that she didn't really remember. Now, I mean, if you listen to the Kavanaugh testimony, and it was a year ago that Christine Blasey Ford's allegations came out, you know, you get the sense that all of Yale is this big drunken frat party where everybody blacks out after, like, genitals are exposed everywhere. It's very, it's odd. You, you're but, right. Um, the, um, 
you know, and, and to some that's just college or, or, or dumb boy behavior. But, you know, 40 years later, it's, uh, it's not a great look, especially for a sitting Supreme Court justice. Whether that actually amounts to anything, though, that's actionable, I tend to doubt it. Well, and I think a lot of people, I, I know the first thing that we were talking about in the office this morning was, what the hell goes on at Yale? Good gracious. Well, but, you know, I mean, like, uh, right. Um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't cast anybody involved in a in a, in a great look, but um, especially now that you have a sitting Supreme Court justice who went through what's supposed to be a confirmation process to bring all this to light. The one thing Democrats are pointing out is that you know was the FBI pressured to somehow brush evidence under the rug. And is this woman saying for sure that the FBI ever spoke to her one way or the other? And is Steyer saying that he spoke to the FBI one way or the other? Because a lot of people are going to say, hey, you knew this investigation was going on. Why didn't you bring it up then? Uh, well, that's right. And, and whether the FBI um, properly investigated, thoroughly investigated, uh, publicly acknowledged. I mean, those are all some of the questions that everyone is asking associated with this now, because we I don't know that the answers are, are specifically clear. The FBI, though, also is not traditionally when it comes to these kinds of um, things. They, they do more of a cursory look just to make sure the guy's not a complete degenerate or a security risk. To, you know, uh, Otherwise, it's not really up to the FBI, we learned at the time, to dig into past allegations like this for someone's Senate confirmation. They probably got specific boxes that they need to check to make sure that he fits all of these different categories and that he's not, like you said, somebody who is unfit for the position. And once they do that, I assume that unless somebody brings something up in in that that would take them on a different tangent, I guess it's not going to come up in an interview. I, I don't know that it would. But look, I, this is now just going to be a, a political fight with Democrats totally. criticizing the FBI's investigative work and Republicans saying Kavanaugh's uh, entirely innocent. So it's just one more thing where the, the country's divide is on display, but still some lingering questions about whether someone like this, whether these allegations are true or not, but for, for around whom all this swirls it is fit to be on the bench. Although it's a moot point because He's a sitting Supreme Court justice. He's a sitting Supreme Court justice, and they're just going to say that this was political in nature anyway, and how can you believe this Steyer guy if he didn't bring it up before? You can see how this one's just going to go round and round. Uh, and, and already has and, and, and likely already will. Yeah. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. I'll work on that theme song. Thank you. <laughs> see you later. All right, see ya. ABC's Aaron Katursky. So the, do you see how absolutely confusing that one is? You've got an accuser who is actually an eyewitness, but the woman who was the alleged victim in it all, who Kavanaugh apparently was pushed and his stuff went into her hand. She does. She says she doesn't remember it. So I don't know. We'll see on that one. Let's get back to some of the other stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Holy cow. That's a lot of guns. Officials in Northern California say a man's been arrested for stashing an arsenal of weapons and ammunition in a survival bunker. Gary Stiles was arrested by police last week in Red Bluff after they got tips. He still had the weapons despite orders to give them up because of a restraining order for harassing numerous people. Investigators say they found a steel bunker buried 10 feet underground at the 62-year-old's home. In the bunker, police found 60 handguns, rifles, and shotguns, including seven illegal semi-automatic rifles, 50 high-capacity magazines, and about 50,000 rounds of ammo. 
Michael Crozier, KFI News. Well, I feel like a lot of people probably did what I did this weekend. It was so hot outside, you just wanted to stay indoors and watch a lot of sports. I don't think we ever turned the TV off. It always had some sort of game on, some sort of college football or baseball or NFL, something. This is my favorite time of the year. For me, football and baseball are my two loves, and it's like Christmas time. It always comes in September. It's great. But not so great if you're an Angels fan. Angels slugger Mike Trout is out for the rest of the season. John Ramirez, I'm talking to you. I'm very sorry. Mike Trout needs surgery for a thickening of tissue around some nerves in his right foot. Trout's already missed several games, but he's still in the race for MVP. He leads the American lead in home runs, walks, and on-base percentage. NFL wide receiver Antonio Brown has scored his first touchdown after switching to the Patriots. One of the Browns' former trainers came forward, accusing him of sexual assault this month after Brown joined the new team. Quarterback Tom Brady was asked yesterday whether Brown should have been on the field. You know, I don't make any of those decisions, so I just show up and play and do my job. Brown denies wrongdoing, and his lawyer says the sexual assault claims are a money grab. And I know a lot of people this morning are seeing that footage. Even if you didn't watch the Rams game, Rams, congratulations to you. Chargers, oh. What a loss. Anyway, for the Rams games yesterday, uh, not only did they win that game, but the big news coming out of that one was that you had uh, New Orleans quarterback Drew Brees coming out of that with a serious thumb injury. And I guess he's questionable. He's supposed to go ahead and uh, go see a surgeon, a hand surgeon today or a hand specialist, I guess, today to see if he could be out for the season. But even he said, I'm very concerned about it. And I always feel like when the player says, like, oh, we got a problem here, there's a bigger problem. And if you didn't watch the Philly game and the Falcons game last night, oh, my gosh. You needed Pepto-Bismol for that football game. Philadelphia Eagles and the Falcons. The Falcons ultimately won, but it looked like Philadelphia was going to come back there in the middle. I thought, oh, boy, you know, I'm married to a boy from Atlanta, so we were watching this one closely. And uh, But anyway, the Falcons pulled it out in the end. But one of the biggest slugfests I've seen in football in quite a while, and hats off to Julio Jones uh, from the Falcons. Unbelievable. That guy is a powerhouse. Like, I, you just, I can't believe it sometimes. All right, there's a new poll that shows for many Americans, dating is a costly affair. 66% of men polled say they offer to pay a full price on a date, while 19% offer to go Dutch. For women, 42% offer to pay full price, 24% offer to split the check 50-50. The cost can be a date killer. 51% of men and women say they've canceled a date because they were short on cash. 37% say they have to go on at least five dates with the same person before who pays doesn't matter. And over a lifetime, the average American apparently spends more than $121,000 on dating. Michael Chappé, KFI News. John Ramirez is yelling in my ear, Oh, I'm so glad I'm married. Oh, thank God I'm married. I remember my favorite date also happened to be my first date, but the one I'll always remember, my boyfriend at the time, Chris Hess, saved his money that he had gotten from, he used to string Christmas lights as a way to make money as a teenager. Anyway, he had saved his Christmas light hanging money, and he took me to Burger King and a movie. How sweet is that? All right, when we come back, we'll talk with ABC's Matt Wolf. Last Friday, the music world mourned the death of rocker Eddie Money. Now it's Rick Ocasek, the lead singer of The Cars, found dead over the weekend in his home in New York. We'll get the latest on the investigation, plus traffic and your forecast on your wake-up call. I bet you're going to be hearing a lot of music like that right now. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
That's because we're the music world is saying goodbye to Rico Kasich, the lead singer of the Cars, dying at 75. Matt Wolf, good morning to you. As so far, police are saying no foul play. No, no foul play involved or anything like that. Uh, NYPD sources are telling us it looks like natural causes. We'll know more during the week after the medical examiner's uh, report comes back. But I got to tell you, Jen, that song that you guys just played from from the Cars Drive, that's one of my favorite songs from the Cars, sung by Benjamin Orr, but written by Rick Ocasek. And that's what everybody, I think, needs to realize today. I mean, he was the brains, sort of, and the wordsmith for a lot of the car's biggest hits. I mean, you look at that first album. Listen to the string of hits here from their very first 1978 album. Just What I Needed, Let the Good Times Roll, My Best Friend's Girl, You're All I've Got Tonight, Moving in Stereo. I mean, you know, who can forget Moving in Stereo in that Fast Times at Ridgemont High moment? of course, of course. (laughs) But I digress. But what a great loss for, uh, for music. But he leaves behind an incredible legacy with the cars he really does and it's funny because even uh the younger generation around here this morning when I, we were talking about rick ocasek they were going i don't know him specifically uh. but but he was immediately oh i know that song oh i know that song you know i mean his his legacy of music is one that is unprecedented it, it is, and it's really interesting, too, because I was just talking with your producer, Alex, and she's like, oh, yeah, I remember that song from that commercial. I'm yes. like, oh, face, face plant. But <laughs> that's, just the, that, that's just the way it is. But what's interesting is is the Cars came along at a time when rock and roll was in a really, really weird place. In fact, somebody tweeted out this morning, and it's kind of funny. It says, Rick Ocasek and Eddie Money both passed away the same weekend. Both guys saved us from disco. We should be thankful. Amen to that. <laughs> so now, true. Not, not that there's anything wrong with disco, but rock was in a very, very weird place in the late 70s, okay? And then along come these guys out of Boston, the Cars, with this sound of synthesizers, this punk sound without sounding too, you know, crunchy with things. Rock and roll without blowing out your speakers. And a station called WBCN in Boston were the guys that really championed these guys. And they were sort of new wave before the term new wave ever, you know, came out. They were pioneers in that sense. Well, and I think I think the the fact that both of these guys had such different sounds, even Eddie Money, who just wanted to be something different. And I mean, R.I.P. to him, too. And R- I mean, the whole music community is just what a blow for both of these well, yeah. guys. You know, and you touch on an interesting point, too, because it was a very, very interesting time in music. But more importantly, it was a very inventive time yeah. in music where yeah. radio stations then, especially, especially, you know, the big powerhouse FM rock stations had a little bit more freedom to play around with different sounds, where local programmers caught the sound of uh, these kids, you know, Benjamin Orr and Rick Ocasek, and said, wow, these guys are pretty good. Let's get them on. And next thing you know, the rest is is music history. Well, God bless them both, man, for what they gave us and their legacies will not soon be forgotten. Matt, thank you as always for your time. Next time, let's talk about something more uplifting. Yes, can we please? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we'll talk to you, Jen. All right, see you later. ABC's Matt Wolf. This is KFI and KOST HD2 Los Angeles. Hey, by the way, before we go, it's your last chance to join all of us here, the entire KFI cast, for a magical evening at a secret undisclosed mansion in the Hollywood Hills that's famous for magic. Your charitable donation includes a gourmet dinner, cocktails, free valet parking, a live Tim Conway Jr. broadcast. That's the worth the price of admission right there. Tons of magic from some of the best-known magicians in the country. It's a huge deal. We have the whole castle, I mean mansion, 
I don't know why we can't say it. Single tickets are available for $350. Couples are $640, $640, and a group ticket discount is also available. The event's very limited. It benefits the Red Cross Initiative to Get Prepared California. For details, go to KFI... Yeah, uh, let me try that again. KFIAM640.com. Keyword, Red Cross. We lead local. Live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom, I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.